0: I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor, the podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Happy Throat Punch Thursday.
1: Happy TPT.
0: How are you doing on this fine day?
1: Pretty darn good. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Thank you for asking.
1: Awesome. So what's up today?
0: Gosh, there's a lot going on in the world and... um Keeping up can be hard to do, but I am going to try.
1: You can't do it.
0: (laughs) So we are at that time of year when the president proposes the budget and Congress starts working on what they're going to put in and what they're going to take out of said proposal. Now, they don't have to do anything the president Ask them to do because Congress is technically the one to make and pass the budget, and then the president will sign it or not sign it, should they so choose. But in this case, we've had some proposals already come down, and one of them is to tax to make a minimum new tax on billionaires. I don't know if you've been Taxing
1: billionaires, they make too much money.
0: Because they they don't pay enough taxes. So what the proposal has been so far is to start taxing at a minimum of 20%. So you cannot have any write-offs that would get you below that 20%. So if you are a billionaire, at least initially that's the claim, if you're a billionaire, your minimum tax will be 20%, and that will be on realized and unrealized gains. And apparently it's going to make the tax code just wildly more complicated because they will have to sift through more information, what is considered a an unrealized gain. Do you get to also write off unrealized losses as well? So there is this nice new uh, addition to the tax code that President Biden, or sorry, there's a nice new addition to the tax code that Biden wanted, and it's he claims that it would reduce the deficit by about $360 billion in the next decade. That would be $36 billion a year that it would reduce the deficit by. We spend that in a day.
1: In a New York minute.
0: Yes. And so that was going, and that's going to be across an entire year. So this wildly new complicated system that Biden has proposed, it doesn't look like, Everyone's buying into it, such as Joe Manchin and cinema. But it's just really interesting to me that the proposal is, let's save peanuts. That, that's going to stick it to the billionaires. Oh, and by the way, the tax starts when you make $100 million a year or more. So it's not just billionaires that are going to get hit. And you might say, oh, well, I don't have $100 million a year that I earn, so I don't mind that it's somebody else. Keep in mind that it always comes down. So it might start with billionaires, because that's how our our tax system started um, in the early 1900s, as they decided to do an income tax, and the income tax was only on who? Millionaires. Millionaires. Because there were no billionaires at the time. So the income tax was only on millionaires. And look at how it's trickled down over time. So do you think that it would stop at people making $100 million a year?
1: No, it only stops at people in Congress because they figure out ways to...
0: Write themselves out of it?
1: Exempt themselves out of it. If I was a billionaire, I would get together with all my fellow billionaires and say, okay, guys, we'll make you a deal. How about all of us give up 50% of our billions each? We'll give you that to play with and see how responsible you are. However, if you lose it in X, then you're no longer allowed to use us to go after your free spending because it's not the billionaires or the millionaires or the people that make 50000 a year that are the problem. It's these leaders, and I always call them people with liberal arts degrees, and I understand they have higher degrees and a lot of them are lawyers, and it's a bunch of crud because we go through this same cycle year after year after year. These guys get drunk on spending our money and then they just do not know how to stop. It's at the local level, it's at the state level, it's at the federal level and with the world monetary system now, it's at the world level. Uh, I I think we're just, uh, slavery is a bad thing but I think we're all enslaved to these guys that like to spend our cash.
0: It's funny that you bring up the world, world leaders and world groups as well, because there was something that just came out, um, with the world health organization. So yes, it's about the health, but they want to create a permanent pandemic extra pandemic group. And, um, everybody has to contribute more money to them so they can have a permanent extra pandemic group and then treat every country the same way and respond with doing the same things for each country because that, that didn't happen this pandemic, that cer- certain countries did things their own way and not everybody abided by what the, the World Health Organization wanted. So what they would like to do is create another pandemic group, have all of the countries give millions of dollars to it so they can just continue to do whatever it is that they want to do.
1: Well, because unbeknownst to us, there was a pandemic that was rolled out without anybody's knowledge thanks to the World Health Organization, sticking by one country and hiding it.
0: Yes, they worked with China to hide the fact yes. that there was a pandemic. That Well, it wasn't a pandemic at the time, that there was a health crisis. So therefore,
1: I would give them no credence or credibility.
0: Yeah. An unknown health crisis. And then it turned into a pandemic because they helped a country hide the fact that something was going on. So as you just noted, so we're supposed to give them millions so they could hide it better? What are we? What are they going to do with the money? Other than hide things better if they had more money. Yeah, and you're
1: going to have those leaders hiding out in multi-million dollar homes and going on trips and living on yachts. Well, the very people that they're supposed to be protecting, which they say they're protecting, are the ones that suffer their ignorance, their arrogance.
0: We definitely live with these groups of individuals who swear that they can do better by us, but as you said, they are arrogant They definitely don't do better by us. They do better by themselves for all the the wealthy elitists. So they tend to say we're going to take from the wealth and then somehow it, it doesn't really work out that way.
1: No, it does not. Because like we say about every other podcast or so, they're the ones that create the problems.
0: And then they're the ones that say they have the solution.
1: Absolutely. That way they can keep us in this perpetual cycle. To where they win, we lose
0: always, and we're we're misdirected, and we're hating on each other for something that they continue to do to us, and we just kind of allow it to happen.
1: Absolutely, you know, you're talking about budgeting and numbers, and our illustrious president, Mister um, Weekend at Bernie's, Biden.
0: Too bad he didn't actually go to Vermont for his uh, weekends, because then it would really be weekend yes. at Bernie's. Or maybe Bernie goes to uh, Delaware and meets. up Well, with he's, he's
1: blaming all these high prices
0: on Putin. Anna, oh, the Putin, yeah. the Putin oil crisis, the Anna Putin big economic crisis, the Putin whatever, everything. And then what was he doing before uh, the end of February? It was somebody else's fault. It wasn't his fault. It's not about his policies. It's not about him. It's everybody else's fault.
1: Well, another Democratic representative is saying that blaming gas prices on Biden is simply un-American. You know, I see a little scenario or a little plan building on how these people are now knocking you down if you have a contrary opinion. You're un-American. You're unpatriotic. You are a slacker, a loser. Um... You're uneducated, you don't know what you're talking about, you don't know what you're doing, yet they give credence to people like Whoopi Goldberg and them on their shows.
0: Because she's a multimillionaire talking, you're not.
1: Right, I'm just a simple guy with simple plans and wanted to live a simple life, but these people won't allow us to live even a moderate to a middle class life because every time we get $100 extra in our pocket... They turn around and tweak the economy, they tweak gas prices, they tweak grocery prices, they tweak medical prices, and that $100 turns into $10. Yeah,
0: I was noticing that about my, uh, my personal budget. So I made a plan for my budget, and it seems like over the last six months, each month I've had to alter my budget just a little bit more and a little bit more. My, my money hasn't changed, my income hasn't changed. But I have a little bit less discretionary income and a little bit less discretionary income. My food prices have gone up. My gas prices have gone up. And I d- my electric has gone up. I even have solar. And it seems like, with some funny math, pg has found ways to say that I'm not producing as much as I used to. Even though my solar system, like the diagnostic on it, says we are pg and does this really funny math to say that we're not producing like we used to. And I've had several months where it's the first time that I've had no days where I didn't have a production of more than I've consumed in a single day, which is for the, I have a history with this, you know, piece of equipment. I have a history. I can look at it. And somehow with PG&E's numbers we lose and they're a public utility company, so in my budget, there goes, you know, a little bit of extra money here and a little bit of extra money there and they fritter it away. And then they come out and say, Oh, well we're gonna we're gonna start looking at your transactions of six hundred dollars if you you happen to move money around or we're gonna we're gonna look at you. And again the little guy's the problem.
1: We're always the problem, but isn't that interesting when you just said that PGE is a what?
0: Public utility company. So,
1: yeah, so what does that mean to me? That means that public, they're here to serve the public.
0: But they're they are here Self-serving. to give them, them money to the board. They end up giving more money to their board. Somehow, when we were in a crisis of uh, our powers getting shut off, if you live in the mountains or if you live where it's a little bit too windy during certain times, they shut your power off with limited notice and you don't know when it's going to come back on, and they say it's to prevent fires because they've had several fires that their equipment has caused because they're not maintaining it. Tell me how you can give any money to your investors as a return on investment when you can't even pay to take care of your lines and you're claiming that you need to raise the rates in order to take care of those lines, but somehow you have managed to give a return on investment.
1: Not only ROI to their investors. Oh, okay. I guess you would consider our governor.
0: An investor because an he investor. also gets money to his pocketbook.
1: Hundreds of thousands. And he also, right about the time they were going to really get walloped in a lawsuit, somehow he was able to work it with some lawyers from out of state.
0: In yeah, New York.
1: Yeah, to get them out of a big bulk of the lawsuit. Here you go again. Now, PG&E, they have some really smart people that work at the lower level like us. But the ones at the top there, they're self-serving just like politicians. They do what's in their interest and nobody else's. That's why public utility just kind of caught my ear when you said that because it's not public when they're not here for the public. Just like our senators and congressmen. Who are they here to serve?
0: Themselves and their pocketbooks, apparently. Apparently so. So speaking of who are they there to serve, so one thing that came to my attention recently was AOC has become one of five so far Democrats to call on Clarence Thomas to resign or be impeached over his wife's January 6th text. So she went to the rally with Trump on January 6th, 2021. And apparently she was also messaging, I believe it was Mark Meadows, the, the chief of staff, for Trump urging him to challenge the election loss. And so AOC came out and said, Clarence Thomas should resign. If not, his failure to disclose income from right-wing organizations, recuse himself from matters involving his wife, and his vote to block the January 6th commission from key information must be investigated and could serve as grounds for impeachment. So one thing I thought was interesting with that is that If we moved to impeach or demand resignation of every individual who had a significant other who had opinions, wouldn't our entire Congress who happen to be married need to resign if any of their spouses have opinions on any subject?
1: Absolutely. Or they make
0: any decisions on anything having to do with their significant others that have opinions on any subject?
1: Yes, and our president would have to resign because of his son and everything that's been found out about him that was hidden by major news outlets and politicians alike so every one of them should step down and if AOC was privy to any of the information that's been floating around in DC for a couple of years then she should have to recuse herself or resign or be impeached or step down or be voted out of office.
0: And just as you just noticed if she really cared about it they would want their justice to be across the board which it the familial impact would be the push for the biden for biden to resign based on hunter biden's not only his scandals but just his entire history working with other countries which those can be considered scandalous or not but the fact that as you noted cnn msnbc all of the big names ignored hunter biden all of his scandals and they haven't even mentioned them in almost 260 plus days not a single thing about hunter biden and his scandal so if people really cared if they really cared it wouldn't just be a partisan request for people to resign and that's all it is is partisan politics
1: absolutely and i don't know her her being aoc i don't think very highly of her the things i have seen from her on television but somebody, uh, another congressman had made a comment that she was a former bartender and yes. that she should go back to bartending. Well, that's the cool thing about the representative republic type system is anybody can win an election by vote. But you got to go in there with some knowledge base. And just hearing these people run their mouths and do things in an accusatory nature all the time, we really need some type of master reset here. I mean, we need to start looking at these candidates a lot closer. We need to start putting people in office that have a quarter of a brain. And we need to start removing these long-term ones that no longer have a brain with which to make proper decisions, i.e., our third-in-command here.
0: Oh, yes. She doesn't have a brain to make decisions with? She
1: Her brain is unfortunately pickled by being in her 70s or early 80s. She's in her 80s. Yes, all the alcohol consumption, and I've never drank an alcoholic beverage with her, but I understand from people that have looked into her annual budget, there is uh, thousands of thousands of dollars for liquor, and when <laughs> you look at her give one speech, she seems coherent. And you look at her the next time and she either seems drunk or on drugs or or she's just not there.
0: Yeah, she definitely is someone who should step down. But you don't know when you need to step down sometimes. So there is, I guess this is the time where you need to push your compatriots to step down. But as you noted just a little bit earlier, as people with certain higher degrees or higher education, AOC has a bachelor's in economics. And when I look at the bachelor's level, that typically is in the United States. That is kind of your overview into the subject. And then as you get into your master's and especially your PhD level, that's when you really get into the full understanding of certain subject matter. And so we end up with people who get their bachelor's degree in something and then they consider themselves experts. As far as I know, she has worked in politics even before she became a representative, she was working in local politics. Regardless of whether or not she was a bartender, I have watched a couple of her videos during the pandemic on making drinks. They seem rather tasty,
1: yeah, okay. um,
0: which is neither here nor there. So, I mean, some saying, oh, you should go back to that. No, you can be good at something and then also be good at something else or move on or move forward. You don't have to be stuck in one thing that you were good at at one point in your life. But I do believe that she and others get this overview and then they think of themselves as experts. They stop their learning. They don't continue to learn and they don't get into the nitty gritty of things. And so they heard about it in college. It sounds really awesome when they hear it. And then they just go forth as if that's the only thing that works. So whatever it was that they heard and they think that socialism socialism peaked her brain and so she got a degree in economics. She heard about socialism and it sounded like a good idea. She's mashed up the two. And then her whole way forward is how we need to bring socialism to the United States and down with democracy. <laughs>
1: wow. If you were a doctor, you could say that's a clinical diagnosis for a narcissist.
0: But so... I, I, it's just something that I think about with her. I know you you noted that, regardless of her her history of being a bartender or not, I really think that that people who say she should go back to bartending that just misdirects from the actual problem. Absolutely. And then, and then as well, her real beliefs on certain subject matter pretty scary. Well,
1: it is when you listen to her, just like our VP or Vice President. She's a pretty educated woman, too.
0: Yeah, she has her law degree.
1: She's uh, done a lot in her career as a politician, but, you know, here recently, you listen to her speak, and you just shake your head going, "What? what is she saying? What is her meaning? The meaning to me is, if something happens to number one, oh my God, we're going to step in number two here.
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay, so going still on the topic of our, our government, our lovely government, and also looking at the basically our the biden administration so apparently there was a cue card that was photographed or filmed that had talking points for biden to use which I involved saw it. did you i did which involved collusion with the media and suggested that other people are calling the shots because the photo of Biden holding the note card during the briefing included responses to a question asking what the president meant when he said earlier that Russian President Vladimir Putin couldn't remain in power. And so it had specific questions, specific answers, and it relied on a prepared list of reporters to ask those questions. and. The, the answer was already crafted. Now, I understand that they work on their talking points, so they have the expectation that certain questions will be asked anyway, and that is preparedness. Good job on being prepared. But when you have a written question from a specific reporter with a specific response to that question, when does it become colluding with reporters to get a specific message out?
1: After the second reporter asks his question.
0: And it looks exactly the same Absolutely. as the cue card noted.
1: Absolutely, as the cue card noted.
0: I, I do have the expectation that our representatives will be well prepared for all different kinds of responses to all different questions. But when you have the questions and answers written and prepared before whatever press briefing you're giving, why don't you just really... Why is it a press briefing at that point? Just turn on the video camera, turn on the hit the record button say your message, shut it off, and and show your backside like you do every other time. Why make it appear as if questions are really spontaneous and coming from reporters? Dog and pony show, anybody?
1: Absolute dog and pony show. They want to show the older voters that he's still in command when he's not. He hasn't been in command since day one. Hillary Clinton wants to be in command, no, because even though she praised biden about what a great job he's doing against putin she says there can be more done i don't know what more can be done except for absolutely putting troops on the ground and doing a no-fly zone and actually taking control of the war itself but if you look at the way biden's handled it and i heard a senator say this i believe because of all his dealings with russia and china through his proxy which is his son son.
0: and i heard his brother also does a a
1: his brother has made a lot of money off yes. the Chinese military a lot. And, you know, as it says in the, on the laptop, uh, the big guy and some of the phone conversations and the big guys his dad. And all they have to do is, you know, electronically they can look at their financial records at any time. And you can see where the money has gone in and out of Biden's checking accounts. I guarantee you though, that the, Departments that are for him are working vehemently right now to make all that stuff disappear.
0: Well, they are, and they already have been. So there have been some freedom of information requests that have gone out, and there have been some sitting Congress, I believe it was Congressmen, that have asked for records, and even the Secret Service is giving a a shoulder shrug, saying, oh, we don't know where the records are, and we're talking records of security details just on which days, and in which countries, you don't have to say how many people per se, you don't have to give tactics or anything like that. We deserve to know where our money's going, just as we knew where it was going when uh, the Trump children had security details on them. We knew how much they were spending, and in fact that became a huge story over how much was being spent to protect the first family because Trump had several adult children that were leading their own lives, that needed their own you know, set of protection from security details. But the Secret Service has said years of documents are just n- not there anymore. So what other things have just disappeared?
1: Let's uh, talk about the laptop that has disappeared, by the way, which was under the control of the FBI cybersecurity team. And apparently the laptop disappeared over two and a half years ago.
0: Oh, right when they right when they got it, they they disappeared it. Matt Gates
1: from Florida asked the cyber dude at a committee hearing multiple times, You mean to tell me you do not know where the laptop is? And he would respond, I mean to say we do not know where the laptop is. Thank goodness somebody burned multiple copies of that thing there's plenty of thumb drives hanging out there just for this very reason right here we're worried about 30 minutes or three hours i don't remember the exact amount of time of white house records that have supposedly disappeared
0: i think it's in the hours Yeah,
1: january 6th
0: who was talking to whom when
1: right and i would just bring in his former press secretary which i Mackin uh,
0: well kaylee
1: and mackenany she was with Kayleigh him the, yeah she was with him the whole entire time she knows who he talked to she talked to him about things i mean if you wanted to press somebody who you think you could get information from i would ask her but i'm telling you that she would hold firm and tell them the man did nothing he was actually brokenhearted when they started breaking into things
0: it, and to that He actually tweeted, this is not who we are, because that was his manner of communication. People said he should have uh, done a press conference, or he should have talked this way, or that way, or in, in this manner. He tweeted that this is not who we are, stay peaceful. I can't remember all of the words, but 140 characters or less. He actually said, this is not who we are, stay peaceful, and Twitter deleted that tweet. And before they, they canned his whole Right. His yeah, whole right
1: now you have uh, the leader of China. You have the leader of Iran.
0: Russia, I think. You have
1: Putin. They all still have Twitter accounts. They're and, all still on Facebook.
0: By the way, it was Putin who said they were going to block Twitter and Facebook, not the other way around, Co- mind you.
1: Correct. Well, I don't know if we're going to get into the January 6th thing again today, but this is all voodoo. We
0: are, because okay. I have a few things that have okay. come up, but yes, so please, sorry, please okay. That's
1: okay. Well, it's all voodoo magic. You know, it's amazing that there's been House members and Senate members that have rose up from the Democratic side that have contested elections for years on election cycles and did not want to certify the vote. So the, yeah,
0: even our California representatives have done that. Yeah. Diane Feinstein being one. So the Republicans or, should yeah, have been allowed. I they should she, have been
1: allowed to contest, and hold it. What what would one extra day for the certification hurt? What would a little bit more investigating hurt?
0: Well, and to that, what's funny is with the certification. So I know a lot of people have said, "Oh, you lost in court." There was court battles and court after court. Just sided with Democrats and said that there was no nothing hinky, nothing you know, nothing to nothing to see here, and they dismissed or whatever dismissed a lot of cases. And then to your note, what would one more day hurt and whatnot? So because the votes were certified, the courts were dismissing the cases because they said once the certification happened, that. The ball was out of their hands. They couldn't then go walk something back. How it hurt was we never got to find out the truth. And I know people say, well, nothing happened. It was the most secure election ever. So you're telling me that when cities and counties were arbitrarily changing their election laws. And I say arbitrarily for COVID, but they were arbitrarily changing their election laws saying who could vote in person, who couldn't vote in person. California decided to mass mail out ballots and make decisions for people. That nothing happened because of that. Nothing happened when they decided to change the way that the votes were going to go, the structure and how counting was going to go and how many days somebody had to get their vote in. Well,
1: when you're a nation of laws and rules. And And you you, just
0: toss them out. You
1: toss them and don't follow them. Then you're no better than a third world country that changes leadership through military force every couple years. I'm very disappointed in Mike Pence, who was our VP at the time, who didn't want to look at it or listen to it either. And from what I understand, he's got a presidential exploratory committee going right now.
0: Yes, I've heard that as well.
1: And he's going to run. Well, that is one dude, one Republican that I won't vote for.
0: Yeah, I think I'm hoping his exploratory committee comes back and says, "Yeah, don't do it."
1: Yeah, don't do it. It'd be the but biggest mistake of your life.
0: A lot of times they'll go and do it and then they get major book deals and more book deals and more money, speaking cash. engagements, so they don't actually plan to win. They actually get something from it. So, just just to go back and touch on I I think some of the people that the president was surrounded by where they were saying things that he wanted to hear because I, I followed some of the individuals who were trying to stop the steal and, and decertify. And unfortunately, a lot of them were all talk and no action. And where the action was happening, it wasn't happening soon enough to actually stop certification of votes. So where there were problems, they didn't focus enough effort and energy On those problems so for instance in Pennsylvania and things like that where they changed the law they overrode it they didn't change the law that was the whole point is they needed to change the law and they decided to allow people who were ineligible to do mail-in voting they just decided to allow them to do it and they ran counter to the law even in those cases they're not undoing it they're not decertifying it or in cases where they decided to accept ballots without signatures or without dates on them or, or however the state decided that the ballots needed to be handled, they went completely counter to it. And you can say, well, that's not stealing or that's not anything wrong, but it is. It's counter to the law. So if we're going to be, as you've noted before, a nation of laws, we don't just decide not to follow a law when it's inconvenient. We change it. If that's the direction we wish to go as a society, we change it.
1: Right. And probably because of COVID, everything started out proper at first. People thinking, okay, we have to have people vote without being around other people so they don't get sick, especially the vulnerable and the old. However, a few schemers decided what a perfect time to take advantage of this and will make it corrupt without making it look, look corrupt to where we cannot correct it because it'll be certified even though the election was potentially corrupted. And just a few votes here and there you know could have been more than enough to sway the election because there is no way, as we've said on multiple occasions, there's no way a man that never came out of his basement to go run for office garnered more votes than the first black president in the United States of America. Not only improbable, impossible.
0: Absolutely. Biden did not have more going for him than Obama.
1: He did not have the following. There is no way.
0: Right. And we're talking social following too. And Biden did not have that.
1: Nope. Not at all. Yes. Not at all.
0: So let's switch gears and, and go down a... A military route for a little bit. And this goes along the lines of budgets as well. So the VA has been reviewing its caregiver program and I'm not sure how much you've heard about the caregiver program. So what it does is a veteran who is disabled and needs extra assistance and care at home can have a spouse or close family member become their caregiver and the United States government will pay them for providing care because then the, the veteran won't be in a group care home or need, um, they can be treated by the family member who can, who arguably best knows their medical needs. And then if they need any specialty training on certain medical needs, they can get it. And then the VA pays them a monthly stipend for helping to take care of their significant other. So the VA decided to expand the Comprehensive Assistance for Family Caregivers Program, and they expanded it by allowing new participants to enter. So it was post-9-11 veterans, and then they started expanding it to other veterans. But the thing that they said for 2018, when the law was expanded, was that older veterans, older-era veterans, could now become a part of the program but it could not expand the finances of the program. So the program's price tag could not change. And Is that
1: because it was law that it couldn't change? Or?
0: Well, they decided that they it could get too expensive, so they didn't want to change the price tag. And that's how they got more approval for veterans to, older era veterans to join it, was by saying they would not expand the program financially, just who could apply. So what they did was they started kicking out caregivers that had already been approved for caregiving. And they said, well, based on the new criteria, they rolled out new criteria, based on the new criteria of the caregiver program, they estimated that approximately 30% of caregivers would be removed from the program because the veteran would not be eligible for a caregiver based on new, again, new criteria that they were rolling out. So from 2011, it had one set of rules, and then in 2018, and it was signed by then President Donald Trump, um, the program was expanded, but not monetarily, so in order to get people to be able to be caregivers, they had to kick out some of the old ones. So they they changed the parameters and said that the person actually had to have more than one thing in their life that they could not take care of. So if you just couldn't brush your teeth, but you could dress yourself then you don't need a caregiver, things like that, they decided to, um, to change. Well, even though they projected about 30% of caregivers would be removed from the program, it's turned into upward of 90%.
1: They didn't make very much money as it was from what I'm looking at. No, right here.
0: it wasn't very much. And that's money. a
1: hard position to care for somebody.
0: It is. To provide 24-7 care for a person is extremely taxing, both physically and emotionally. And the caregiver program was supposed to take a burden off of also needing to go and work a job and provide financially at the same time you're trying to care physically and emotionally. Because if you're working, then you have to pay somebody else to be there to provide that care.
1: I think we hit on this kind of, kind of lies into homeless and how much money spent on homeless and what little they get and how much the administrators get versus the people that actually help. And here again, we send hundreds of millions, if not billions overseas to other countries and other people. And I know they need help as well, but if you're not healthy and you don't take care of the homeland first, you're really going to put yourself in a bind or a pinch And the whole thing's going to collapse,
0: which is what
1: appears to be happening.
0: And so what Congress has done now is they've put a stay on kicking people out of the program at this point because it was a completely different number than expected. But they've had to put a stay twice already because even when they started getting up to 70% of program participants getting kicked off and they put a pause, they allowed it to continue Again, so so far 90% would be kicked out of the program. And those veterans who had care from their family members will no longer get that. And I look at it and, I mean, who better to care for the person than the person who knows them the best? And I would love it if we were all just independently wealthy and didn't need money to survive, but we do. So when the veteran needs help, giving a little bit of financial help to the spouse or the significant other is not too much to ask for.
1: No, it is not. And our, our veterans are asked to, at some points, pay the ultimate price. They have uh, PTSD and a lot of other medical issues that stay with them their entire life. And we should take care of them 100% when we ask them to do what they do for us.
0: And in, in good news
1: All right, we got some good news.
0: For troops and civilian workers, speaking of budgets, they are looking at getting a 4.6% raise under the Pentagon's annual budget request. So the the request would have to be approved, of course, but the plan unveiled showed a sharp boost in the um, requested pay for troops and civilian workers, but it should be noted that, unfortunately, We've had a cost of living that's gone up more than 4.6%. So while it will be the largest boost that has been requested, and if it's approved, then the largest boost approved, we have to hope that we will see some of the inflationary problems go down at this point in order for that to actually be a true positive impact for the bottom line of our troops serving and civilian workers. Wow. The VA has also asked for a larger budget and it, it's quite normal for budgetary decision making to take time and and the ultimate, you know, number to be a little bit different.
1: So have you followed, let's, let's swap gears just a touch, the um, Ukraine war the last few days?
0: I have followed it off and on. And within the last few days, I believe that Ukraine has started coming out and saying That there were um, Russian troops who shot and killed, or I should say, who executed Ukrainian civilians who had their hands tied behind their backs, among other claims that have come out.
1: Yeah, well, apparently there's some uh, images coming out of Ukraine of that. But what I was going to say is this is uh, day 43 of the Ukrainian-Russia conflict. And it appears from my eyes, because I've been watching it not hourly, but I pop on the news every three or four hours just to see if there's anything new, to see if Russia's popped off a nuke or, you know, just something extraordinary. And it appears to me that some of the news media must be getting a little tired already of it, having war lag. Really? War fatigue, because there's not as many. There's still quite a few articles, but there's not as many as there was over the course of the last couple of weeks. So I don't know if they've resigned themselves to the fact that this thing's going to go on for quite a while or they've realized that Ukraine wasn't going to get thumped as quick as everybody thought they were going to because they're a hardy people and given a little bit of weaponry, they're able to protect their homeland and at least fight back a little bit. But it's just an observation. I've just noticed that uh, the coverage is starting to slow down a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I, I guess you could say I did or didn't notice. I did notice. That there seemed to be less. But I guess I didn't notice how much less coverage there had been. I, I had heard about talk that they were executing civilians. But then there have been several claims throughout these many days that war crimes have been committed. And even Biden at one point accused Putin of committing war crimes. But will we actually go after Will anything be done? I don't nope.
1: know. No, nothing will be done about it. So, what's your feelings on gun control and gun violence in America?
0: My my true feeling on gun control, I, I think that people use that as a term to either take all guns away or to fight the taking away of any guns, that they'll just use this broad-based term, gun control. And I believe that, per our Second Amendment, we should be allowed to have guns, need to be allowed to have guns, and if anything, Ukraine shows us exactly why there needs to be a civilian population with guns and ammo. Now, you can look and say, oh, my crazy next-door neighbor, I think he's going to go and kill everyone because he's starting to act out. Then, okay, let's address that single person in that single circumstance and move forward from there. But I don't think that you need to say, okay, now nobody can have one. Because someone does a bad thing, because people will find ways to do bad things across the board.
1: Right. Because guns are inanimate objects and they don't just jump up one day by themselves, load themselves, pull the hammer back, and say, I think I'm going to run out my front door today and go shoot somebody. It's right. a mental health issue.
0: Absolutely. And we're not addressing the mental health problem. And in fact, we've decriminalized mental health problems because we've never actually medically addressed them since what the 70 or I shouldn't say never actually we haven't been addressing mental health problems for many a decades so instead we get to this place where we are turning things that people do as crimes into non-crimes because they have a claimed mental health issue
1: and that was a perfect analogy that you just put forward was we're decriminalizing everything Because these leaders, when there's a mass shooting somewhere, they always blame the gun, gun ownership, gun owners in the United States of America. When it's not the gun owners, it's not the gun. It's the mental health issues. It's the laxing of our laws or relaxing of our laws. It's allowing mayhem and people to run amok. We just had a liberal mayor here in a city in America that just got thumped. By three criminals and he's in i believe he's in icu
0: i did not know that
1: absolutely and that's just one little case amongst many cases across this country and the ukraine is a prime example why the citizenry has to keep and bear arms
0: and it could be from another country or it could be from within your own country too you do have the right to protect yourself i don't understand the mentality that you only have the right to take care of yourself after you've been injured, assaulted, and if you're dead, then your your family has the right to bury you or cremate you. How is that even a thing? Oh, you don't have the right to protect yourself against the criminal or the person with mental health issues who may be coming after you. I I don't understand that argument. I will I just I don't get it. And if somebody wants to write in you want to send us a message and you want to explain your argument? I, I would love to hear the argument for why you don't have a right to protect yourself. And as a woman, I do believe that as much as I want to say there's equality and we're equal on so many levels, the average man could absolutely take me out even without a gun. He could punch me hard enough. He could probably throw, shake off anything I try to throw at with a punch or a kick or or trying to run away. He probably will run faster than me. So I will not be able to get away. So I do not understand why I can't have essentially a great equalizer.
1: The world would be a lot different, or at least the states would be a lot different if we had open carry in all 50 states, if we had good mental health, if we had leaders that actually led and not thought that one guy's problem is everybody's problem. You know, it, it, it it's a mess right now. Everything, some total of the parts. We have unfortunate, and I'm not getting into when a guy thinks he's a girl or a girl thinks he's a guy. I know I'm kind of segueing into something just, just a touch different, but when you have guys going against girls in swim meets and beating them, we have an issue when you have male wrestlers becoming females and wrestling and winning female championships when they know that they're inherently stronger. Like you said, when you have leaders that think that guns are bad, not people, we have an issue when you have a president who has cognitive reasoning issues and the people that are right next to him, guiding him or leading him will not recognize there's a problem because they're so hungry with power they won't remove the person from office. You have senators that make statements that are factually incorrect and it whips states up into a frenzy. It causes people to go to war within their own states and burn buildings down and such. Maybe we need to look in a little bit different direction with all
0: of this. Definitely sounds like we have an inward reflection problem. Absolutely. We definitely do. So I would like to touch back on a few topics we have brought up throughout the weeks, just so we can give you an update on those things that have been happening. So last week, we noted that there was a kid who was on a roller coaster that fell off the, it was like a drop roller coaster that fell off in the middle of, of the ride and was unfortunately killed and at that time there wasn't a whole lot of information about it so we kind of speculated that the kid was too small in size and that may have fudged his height um, to get on there because he was a 14 year old kid so it's just like okay if you're too small for the ride don't get on there's safety issues you definitely need to look at your overall safety and I get that maybe a 14 year old isn't going to make the best choices and they don't see the consequences well in this case it turns out to be the opposite problem this 14 year old kid was unfortunately too large for the ride so the ride itself had a roughly 130 kilogram or 286 pound weight limit and the minimum I think it was about four feet tall so you had to be four feet tall But no more than 286 pounds. And this 14-year-old, I say boy because he's a boy, but he was 6 feet, 5 inches tall, and he was 340 pounds. So he was at least 54 pounds over the max weight limit. And they let him on, and he was actually too big for the ride
1: and when you say too big it wasn't an obese too big the young man was an aspiring football he player. was a football he player was a he, fe- he was a phenom at 14 years old for sure his he family was apparently
0: quite fit yes. for 340 and pounds his
1: coaches said that he would definitely have uh, made it to a major college and to a, um, the pros poor young lad feel sorry for his family and i feel sorry for the person that put him on the ride and close the harness over top of his shoulders because it was probably a young person as well. Right. 17, 18 years old maybe and really didn't know all the specific rules potentially and thought the kid was just right at the right size. It's not the first. It won't be the last. It happens across the nation at theme parks and you have kids too small, adults too small, adults too big, kids too big that this unfortunately happens or you have a mishap where a roller coaster comes off a track or something and, it's just very unfortunate.
0: Now I'm wondering if they should have booths, if people would want to do this. But basically, you go into a single serve booth and you you stand on a a scale, and then you have your height measured, and then you get a wristband that tells you these are the rides you can go on. And so they'll scan it, and then say, "Okay, you're eligible for this ride," or they'll scan it and say, "You're you're not eligible." Well, for they this may ride.
1: they may do that at some point in the future to avert lawsuits
0: and this kind of thing because. I don't know. You're looking at somebody and you're trying to say, how much does this person weigh? I well, I can't maybe, look at, I mean, I, I know you would become a professional, but do you think a young kid, assuming it was a young kid working at the park, can look at everybody no, and they're say, not, they're not going to know. You weigh this much, you weigh that much. But
1: maybe they should design the ride knowing that America's getting a little bit larger and obese to accept bigger people.
0: To have rides that are for people, 400 pounds, yeah, 500 what pounds. what if you and,
1: had a A basketball team that went through there from the pros or an NFL team had a, you know, kids day there where they took their kids or took underprivileged youth there and they want to ride the rides with them as well. Well, there isn't too many football players other than kickers that would be able to ride those rides. Maybe a couple QBs. Yeah, a couple QBs, but not 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 too many many people. The offensive line, defensive line, no way. They're
0: out. Yeah. So another subject we've touched on is the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. So after the trial, one of the jury members came out and said... She's still alive? She is, surprisingly enough. So one of the jury members came out and said how they spoke of their personal circumstance to the rest of the jury pool. And so the Ghislaine Maxwell team was trying to get the um, case thrown out and a new trial. So the judge has ruled that there will not be a new trial. So she'll probably appeal it or her attorneys will probably appeal it. But as it stands right now, the ruling is that there will not be. What was the judge's reasoning? A new trial. Uh, The judge, I don't believe, has released the reasoning as of yet. So sometimes they'll put out like an interim decision, but they don't give the full reason behind. And then it's like reason to follow. So we should be learning soon enough the full reason behind not doing it. But yeah, so that, that did come out that there will be no new trial, at least at this point.
1: Well, even if one fiftieth of what she's been accused of is true, I wouldn't give her another trial either. But I would force her hand to release that book because I, wanted, I would want to know who all these guys are and I would start punishing them one right after the other.
0: Yeah, I guess... Um, the judge did say that the juror failed to respond accurately, but they gave they gave the juror immunity when speaking after the after they spoke out. So in the ruling though, they did say that it didn't that the defense didn't prove the court would have struck the potential juror had they admitted to their entire background. So but I am interested in reading that full ruling and once I get a hold of it I will make note of it hopefully within the, the next week I can go ahead and make note of why, Absolutely. why they did what they did. Cool. So staying with the courts, there was a court case in which the appeals court upheld a multi-million dollar verdict against Oberlin college for defaming a bakery, a local bakery. And what had happened was at this bakery, Apparently, some students came into the local bakery, um, and this bakery had a long history of serving the community. But as one of the family members of the bakery was working, they had to chase out several students from the store because they were attempting to steal from the store, and I think they were trying to steal alcohol. And the worker chased them out, and the students turned around and attacked the worker, Uh, The worker called police and the students were ultimately arrested. They pled guilty and they admitted that it had nothing to do with their race, that they were trying to steal. The worker came after them. They beat up the worker. Case closed. But apparently other students and faculty members accused the bakery of racism. They staged protests outside of the bakery and then officials from the school fully endorsed the protesters false narrative against the bakery. So they said that it was about race, even though the people who committed the action said it had nothing to do with their race and they were in fact stealing. And as of right now, jurors sided with a bakery originally ordering 33 million in damages, but it was reduced to $25 million per this, the state's limitations. And it has now been upheld by the appeals court. Wow. So how do you feel about immigration? and specifically when individuals come over to the country and they get caught in espionage-type situations.
1: Well, I think we've talked about this long before the podcast. Not this podcast, the podcasting period, and I think that we're almost on the same page that they should do, do their time here in the U.S. for their crime. And then be deported back to their country of origin.
0: So another, sorry, another GE engineer uh, was aided by the Chinese government in an effort to steal trade secrets. And this individual was convicted of conspiracy to commit economic espionage. And this individual is from China and they were aiding their home country in attempting to steal specific information from GE power and they worked there for about 10 years and they conspired to try and get GE's trade secrets around steam and gas turbine technologies and it has been noted that it's not just individuals from China who come over here and then go through the immigration system typically they become naturalized and then they start working in fields that can involved secrets and trade secrets and things like that it I mean there are professors from universities who have also been caught up in Chinese schemes so it's just really interesting that there's another action by China because if these individuals don't cooperate with the Chinese government they start sending Chinese authorities after them here in the United States if you're unaware and so
1: did not know that
0: Yes. So if you speak out against China and you are of a high enough stature, they will actually send Chinese authorities to the United States to talk to you in person. So then you have other individuals who come over, whether they're planning on committing these crimes or not from the beginning is uncertain, but... I would not put it past China to arm-twisting and threatening family members back home to get them to participate in giving up these trade secrets.
1: So then I guess we stop letting them over here, period.
0: That might be one answer, and I don't think that it's...
1: But we can't, because they're increasing the... What is it, the H-1B?
0: Are they increasing the cap on the H-1B? They're
1: increasing the cap on the (laughs) H-1B.
0: Which is really funny, so we... The H-1B itself is supposed to be that here in the United States, you can't find a worker who is qualified to do that particular position that you need and that you need to hire a foreign worker who has the skills that you're looking for. And I can respect that. But having worked in the immigration field and having seen just the sheer volume of H-1B visas that some of these companies apply for, when they have no contract for these people to work for, Off the bat, they're basically trying to take the number because they're hard to get. They're trying to take that visa number and then they'll plan on using it in the future. But if they don't get contracts, they do what's called benching and they send the employee home until they get a contract for them to come back and work on. And I have seen so many benched employees, so many, they misuse the H 1B visa program. It's like the intent was good, the intention for the program is good. But what it turns into is not good.
1: Just like everything else, starts out right, ends up wrong. So China had a program last year called the Common Prosperity Program. It was everywhere in China, but they backed off. Do you know what the Common Prosperity Program was?
0: Okay, I'm going to take a stab at it. I'm going to guess. And so if I'm wrong, of course, you're going to let me know. But was it that they used your, like, oh, what is that called? Like how good you are, and they give you like points, kind of a point system where if you're you don't do bad things and you do good things, you can work in certain places. Well, it's the or, absolute opposite of that. Oh dang it. Okay, so what's this one?
1: <laughs> so they trumpeted a program that was intended to take money back away from the wealthy.
0: So it's a redistribution of wealth program. Yes, it was a
1: redistribution of wealth. It was passed by the Communist Party in the fall of last year because they felt that some wealthy people had a disproportionate advantage over the commoners that made them so wealthy. So they added new property taxes, new social welfare programs, um, and they wanted to take money away from the elites, but they oppo- They had such opposition from the elites and policymakers were worried it would push property values lower, so they scrapped the program. See, that's uh, a communist country that opened their borders a little bit and opened their businesses up, and some people saw advantages and followed the law and became millionaires and billionaires. And the communist leadership didn't like that. So then they in turn tried to turn around and take that wealth back from them.
0: So, and if you look here in the United States, especially during COVID, we have complaints that the rich got richer and the poor got poorer. But if you look at what they did, they being our representatives and our supposed leaders is they picked the winners picked and win- losers.
1: Yes, they picked winners and, and
0: losers. And they basically told the big companies that they could still operate Amazon still got to operate, Target, grocery stores, Walmart, all of them across the United States. The big stores got to stay in business and they shut down mom and pops. And even here locally, there were mom and pops that sold groceries and other things. And when groceries were deemed essential, they still shut down mom and pops, even if they could buy groceries from there. And Target got to sell furniture. So did Walmart. So did Amazon, but the furniture stores, the local mom and pops here had to shut down as non-essential businesses. So our government picked the winners and losers. And then they complained that when they made the losers poorer and they made the winners wealthier, that somehow the winners winning was ill-gotten goods, ill-gotten money. When they themselves said that they were the only ones who could operate.
1: Well, yeah, and then they turn around and come up with welfare programs to give money to the losers.
0: Yeah, the ones that they took from. And then I'm supposed to be happy that you took away my job, which in which, you know, you can make a couple grand a month, and you're going to give me $1,200 every several six months, maybe. Or you, you gave me $2,400 because I had a significant other. And I'm supposed to make that one, you know, what I can make in a month, I'm supposed to make that last a year, year and a half, etc. I'm sorry. You picked the winners and losers. You made me a loser. And then you said it's the winner's fault that they won. I, yeah, and I don't live begrudge with, live with
1: your decisions.
0: Yeah. I don't begrudge the wealthy getting wealthier. I begrudge my government for making that. Happen because they actually made it happen. So who's at fault? Not the person who played by the system, even though the system ended up getting bent in their favor. And so then the, you don't just start going and saying, okay, well I'm gonna. I don't think you should be a winner anymore. So I've decided somebody else is going to be the winner, and I'm going to take everything you made because it wasn't fair that I, you worked for it. Well,
1: what we should look into is just like prior to the Ukraine Russia conflict when several senators and congress people bought stock in war machine making companies
0: they so they used insider knowledge versus them deciding the big companies are the only ones that can operate now i bet you the ones that could operate were probably publicly traded companies that did well in the stock market and they probably bought stocks My
1: point exactly.
0: for the companies yeah, yeah i yeah. okay i got that just like a few seconds too late but i get where you're going so they picked the winners they bought their stocks and then they made all their money they've probably already sold and now they want to make those companies the losers
1: yeah now they want to punish them
0: punish them because they made the money the whole idea was them making the money not the actual companies but they really don't punish them
1: because they no, they
0: won't in the end
1: they they punish them by creating laws tax laws that they also put in targeted loopholes because if they just went to a flat tax, we wouldn't have to worry about continually rewriting tax policy.
0: Correct. And we can even say that there is a minimum tax threshold. So we won't tax you if you make under, and then if we decided that it's $50,000 a year, your first $50,000 is going to be tax free. So that's fine. So make the tax system start at every dollar earned after $50,000. See, but they
1: can't because they have such an addiction to spending that. They want all of everybody's money.
0: So let's talk about budget surplus.
1: Budget surplus. Did
0: you know California is claiming that they have a budget surplus?
1: Yes, and they really don't.
0: I was going to ask, how do you have a, a budget surplus when we have wildfires every year? The public utility can't repair their lines. The power gets shut off intermittently. We can't repair our roads with any consistency. And we always have to keep raising taxes, but yet somehow we have a surplus.
1: Yes, and if you add in CalPERS, which is the state's retirement program, are
0: unfunded, underfunded,
1: underfunded, underfunded, underfunded liabilities to the tune, I believe somebody has said about five hundred million to a billion dollars. So I think that's a little more than the budget surplus we supposedly have. We don't have a surplus here in California. It's called fuzzy math.
0: Yes, definitely fuzzy math. So back to just real quick the Hunter Biden laptop scandal that went on. So the Hunter Biden laptop scandal was multi part, multifaceted. There were multiple parts of the. The New York Post came out with a story that had they had access to Hunter Biden's hard drive, a copy of it, which is one of the several copies that were taken. They received it from Rudy Giuliani. And Rudy Giuliani was sent this hard, this copy by the owner of the computer repair shop. So he thought the owner of the computer repair shop thought that the FBI would take it seriously and investigate Hunter Biden. But when nothing had been done over the course of several months, he then went to Rudy Giuliani, who ultimately took the story to the New York Post. And the New York Post publishes this big expose on that laptop. Well, then Twitter banned the story from being reposted or posted in general, and they even took out the New York Post Twitter account until they agreed to delete the tweet. And then Facebook and the like, they all said that this story could not be published on their websites. And a bunch of regular news media, including the New York Times, started coming out with articles saying that it was Russian disinformation. And in fact, that was the story that Jen Psaki was selling as the press secretary was that it was Russian disinformation. And in fact, they got a bunch of former intelligence officials to sign off on a letter stating that it was Russian disinformation. So now one of the former CIA officers who signed a letter claiming that the stories about the laptop allegedly belonging to Hunter Biden were disinformation He has been posting, I take special pride in personally swinging the election away from Trump. And so apparently he's publicly saying things like that, and I lost the election for Trump. Well, then I feel pretty good about my influence. So let's think about that. We have a bunch of intelligence officials who signed on a letter For the Biden administration, because that's who it helped, saying that the laptop was disinformation.
1: So what you're saying is the election should have never been certified or decertified because of false pretense.
0: Yes. Absolutely. So if that helped to sway the election, let's put all all of it aside, whether there were ill-gotten votes in other methods, whether people should have been allowed to vote absentee or not, whether... You should have had extra time to vote, as happened in other states. Let's just talk about using intelligence officials to say that Trump's team, well, it wasn't really his team, it was the New York Post, but it did come from Rudy Giuliani, you know, indirectly. It came from the computer repair shop through Rudy Giuliani to the New York Post. But if it's a real story with real information and all of it was really real and there was really a laptop and the story became intelligence officials are saying Trump's team is lying to you to try and sway an election and that flipped you to Biden, was that not a stolen election?
1: Absolutely, it was. And the interesting thing about that is that the computer store owner was not a Republican or a Democrat or he was after Biden or for Trump, apparently there was some vile things on the laptop that concerned him and that's why he went to the FBI originally.
0: Yes, and that's who he should have gone to and that's who we should have trust in, but apparently they've been missing that laptop since it was turned over because if you look at two and a half years, that's approximately how long ago that laptop was turned over to them. So they were never going to do anything. Anyway, They disappeared it from no, they the get g- They were going to
1: hide it, make it go away, and they've probably been going after people that may have potentially taken copies of it, thumb drives, that sort of thing. Just like the, what was it, Operation Veritas, the way their place was raided. Project way, Veritas, or, yes. Excuse me, Project Veritas, the way their stuff was raided.
0: Over Ashley Biden's diary, the claim was that they had ill-gotten goods that they had stolen but they had already turned that over turned it
1: over because it could not authenticate it
0: yes Didn't and want so to do and then it. they weren't going to publish a story yeah. they said that they weren't going to do it they turned it over to the police and then it was somehow them doing the right thing proved that they had gotten it unlawfully themselves like intentionally the reporters that they they also raided the house on their houses That they had somehow swiped the diary themselves.
1: That's why a lot of these folks say that there's two or three different sets of laws for different levels of people in America. It's for the haves and the have-nots. That's why I say all the time, as being a simple little guy, you cheat on your taxes for $100, see what happens to you. The IRS will hunt you down to get their money.
0: Yeah, but if you're one of the big wigs on top, you can you and, can just forego pain and I mean, what they really they've
1: done is out. a thousandfold more illegal and more dangerous to this country, which you could ever do as a little middle class American.
0: So touching on January sixth, we we're mm. gonna talk about it.
1: January sixth.
0: So apparently the feds are preparing to make a disclosure about Ray Epps. I'm not sure exactly what they will have to disclose. It will be interesting to see if they tell the truth because so far they've lost laptops and uh, not told the truth about other things. They were very involved in the attempted kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer, the governor. So according to a new statement, the assistant U.S. attorney in court, said that she intended to provide a disclosure about Ray Epps. And it should be noted that he is a former Oath Keeper. So that was one of our speculations early on, which has turned out to be true that he was an Oath Keeper because several Oath Keepers said that they were approached by the FBI to flip on their local chapters So it does turn out that he was a former Oath Keeper and that they are going to give some sort of disclosure as soon as it is out. We will uh, add it to our podcast, but I did want to mention that um, apparently they will be making a disclosure.
1: Yes. And Republican Rep. Thomas Massey of Kentucky and Texas Senator Ted Cruz are among those who have raised questions about Epps and why he wasn't prosecuted for his actions that day, like so many others were and have been.
0: Yes, because some of the individuals that are being prosecuted are being prosecuted for walking into the Capitol. And I don't mean helping to break down doors, smashing windows, or, or assaulting police officers, which there is film of individuals doing those very things, but people who had no barrier in front of them, had police officers nearby not stopping, not saying anything except don't break, you know, don't break anything inside, walk peacefully. And they did, and they maybe stayed inside the Capitol for a couple of minutes, peacefully looking inside, staying within the confines of the ropes that were there and then walking out, they have been targeted and prosecuted, and yet this person seen on film getting people to bust police lines hasn't been touched. How does that not strike everyone?
1: Well, there must be some new video or something on him, because a federal prosecutor said on Tuesday during court proceedings that the Department of Justice soon will release a new disclosure, as you said, on Epps. What I can tell the court is that the U.S. Attorney's Office has been working on a disclosure pertaining to Mr. Epps, Assistant U.S. Attorney Karen Rockland said, during a hearing on the January six cases. Rockland said the information on Epps would be provided to defense attorneys in another week or two.
0: Okay, so we've already had prosecutions of certain individuals already happen. We've already had people who have pled guilty To certain crimes and because they've been threatened with bigger you know more time more years and so they've taken these deals because you start to think that there is no hope for some of these individuals so if there's a disclosure on him that could help defense or not I mean in the end the disclosure might be something that doesn't ultimately help them but if it could help the defense should every case be reopened or, or re-examined? They,
1: sh- they should all be re-examined. They should have the right to ask for a retrial. You betcha. Yeah. Well, oh, they're gonna find out he he was some kind of informant. Something he had something. To He's do probably
0: gonna be an yeah. informant, but then they're gonna try to downplay how big of one right. he actually was. That I mean, that's my guess.
1: Well, because you know whether he was egging people on or not to go do something, you're your own man or your own woman. So it's ultimately your responsibility. And I know people get whipped up into a frenzy. Yes. Things like that. Well, but there
0: is there is a psychological yes. component to being with the herd. The herd,
1: and there is. And, and I understand that. But yes. Some people there obviously had enough wherewithal to say, eh, not going there. Yep,
0: absolutely. So... There was a deadly car crash up in Oregon in which a driver who was drunk killed four in a homeless encampment when he crashed his car into the homeless encampment. So apparently um, he was driving 35 miles an hour above the speed limit, had an alcohol limit more than three times above what he should have, And he is being held without bail, being charged with multiple counts of manslaughter. And he lost control of his vehicle at like two o'clock in the morning. And he flattened the uh, homeless encampment and then killed several people. So he was driving 70 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone. And this is extraordinarily sad and disheartening. And by no means is this an attack on the homeless encampment themselves but one of my thoughts about the situation is that we allow homeless encampments near major busy streets and on freeways in some cases and let's just say instead of drunk driving this person blew a tire and hit the homeless encampment or they got you know, somebody sideswiped them and they lost control of their vehicle. Something happened to where they lost control of their vehicle and they hit the homeless encampment. This would be why we don't allow people to live right next to a roadway in which all it takes is an accident, one accident. accident. And I understand understand that you can look at this and say it's on purpose because the person was three times above the legal limit for, for drinking and driving But I I guess for me, it just raised the issue that we are allowing people to live in unsafe spaces, one being next to roadways. And I've seen it here in Fresno. I've seen people living on sidewalks. I, I mean, I saw it in Hawaii, too, when I would walk to work and I would have to walk out into the street in order to avoid stepping over a person who was sleeping on the sidewalk. So if we allow people to be somewhere that we did not intend to have a safety zone for sleeping,
1: And we I see know. people in center dividers all the time holding up signs for car washes, raising money, fundraising. I mean, our local fire department and police academy, they do it. And it's a very unsafe environment because it just takes one person looking at their cell phone or reaching down or having too much to drink or having car trouble to run into that person, take them out, and you cannot go backwards and get a redo.
0: No, and yeah, so that's another good example of people being in spaces, and it's not to blame a victim. I absolutely, right, there's the right, homeless no. individuals did didn't deserve this. That wasn't it wasn't their fault. Right?
1: No, it wasn't their fault. They just they're in a place that they shouldn't be. It's an unsafe work environment. It's an unsafe sleeping environment. It's an unsafe visiting environment. So speaking of environments and spooky and scary, so up in Olympia, Washington, a judge has ruled, this goes to our Navy stuff, that the Navy SEALs will not be able to use Washington State Parks as training grounds. In January 2021, the Washington State Parks and Recreation Commission voted 4-3 to three to approve the proposal for them to use up to 28 parks for training purposes. However, it rattled recreationalists who said during public comments that they would avoid those areas for failure to the SEALs would watch them without the knowledge or consent of visitors. Thurston County Superior Court Judge James Dixon said the commission's decision was illegal and outside its purview, which includes the protection and enhancement of parks. Opponents of the decision often said the presence of of -of out-of-sight SEAL trainees would incite a creepiness factor, removing a sense of calm often found in nature. Dixon said he couldn't come up with a better legal term than that. It is creepy, he said. Well, what do you think uh, the Navy SEALs said in return?
0: What did they say? They
1: say that the landscape provides critical cold-water training for their survival in the event they're at war and in that type of environment. Washington's coastlines and currents pose challenges to SEAL trainees that are difficult to find anywhere else. The region is a critical component to their training exercises. So if they can't find like training grounds, and it ends up costing the life of a seal because he was not able to get that particular training. Is it the recreationalist's fault that that seal died because they were creeped out while, while he was out protecting their lives?
0: Okay, you can't shut down the area for certain amounts of times per year, and then there's nothing to be creeped out about because you're not supposed to be there?
1: Well, like one of the... Chief Petty Officer said during an interview, they generally sneak in at 2 in the morning and they're gone before anybody sees them. So unless you're a weirdo and you're a naturalist that has to go out and bird watch at 2 in the morning, they're not going to know they've been there or they've left.
0: Well, it doesn't stop them from worrying about somebody watching them.
1: Well, um, they're probably the same people that watch YouTube videos of other people taking videos of themselves, which is voyeurism, which that's creepier than Navy SEALs training to provide protection.
0: Does that fall under they don't care about you? Yes. (laughs) So another topic that I would like to touch on because we were wondering what would ultimately happen so the NASA astronaut that was in space has touched back down on U.S. soil, and they did so in a Russian spacecraft.
1: Yeah, I heard he took a Russian Uber. <laughs> they
0: they yeah, they rubered down.
1: Rubered down.
0: Yes. So that's uh, in this case, Elon Musk did not come in with a spacecraft. It turns out that he, this astronaut, still hitched a ride down with the Russian cosmonauts. So yeah. that's what ultimately. Yeah, which happened. I
1: had seen a news report that Russia said they had intended on bringing him down the whole time, anyway.
0: Right, that it was all just. Yeah, it was
1: all just a joke.
0: So what? Oh, they they sanctioned Russian uh, space program, and oh look, it still operated and brought home a U.S. Yes, astronaut. So seems to kind of go with a continued dog and pony show.
1: Yes, and if we can ever get over these territorial spats and. This machismo stuff, maybe we'll stop warring with each other for a while. You know, wouldn't it be something to go without a war for like a hundred years?
0: That would be awesome.
1: We can't go six months
0: without something going without on. Some
1: conflict.
0: So when you brought up guns and laws earlier, yes. so there was a representative here in California that attempted to introduce a law to be passed that said that Parents would be required to provide an annual disclosure of the guns that are in their house if they have school age children. So every year you would have to disclose. I don't recall if it was to the school or to—well, the government should already know that you have a gun in your house, so I imagine it's to the school— Because you have to register all your guns anyway. Yes,
1: it's called registration of guns. So
0: if your gun is already registered, the government already knows you have it. So then you had to report to your school, if you had school-aged children, that you had guns at home. And you had to do that every single year. But it was shot down, pun intended. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no pun intended. It uh, It did not pass. It did not get out enough votes to go to go anywhere but i thought that was quite interesting that they wanted parents basically it would have been a a burden on the parent to continually say the same thing over and over again each year to their school if they have school age children what would that be a regulatory burden and it doesn't
1: fix any problems no there's no answer there for that it does not fix a problem it's just nosiness it's uh
0: well i guess i can say oh your kid seems to be having a hard time we want to report you to a judge to get the guns taken out of the
1: guns your house because
0: your kid in our opinion even though they're not well then let's carry that one
1: little step further than what's causing my kid to have an issue at school oh let's see his fellow students have been bullying him and beating the crap out of him and belittling him in front of other students and teachers and you guys have done nothing to solve the problem. Just like the case we had of the uh, hazing or hate crime here at a local school district.
0: So it, was it, it wasn't Scandinavian. It was... What middle school was that? Uh,
1: uh, the middle school slipping me. But so,
0: yeah, at the middle school where the parents were reporting that their kid was getting harassed and hazed and assaulted and they did nothing, said they couldn't do nothing, said they couldn't disclose anything, it gets video recorded that they're doing it, and they still come back with, oh, there's nothing we can do. We can- And if we do do anything, we can't tell you anything. Anyway. Yeah, see,
1: well, then we should flip that, so then we should pass a rule, regulation, law, statute, policy that every time there's a hazing or a beating or an issue or something like that at school, then the school district should have to send us a letter, email, notify us, oh, yeah, we have a middle school that has 700 students and we have 100 students that are unruly on a daily basis we can't get them under control their parents are out of control but we're going to continue to let them go to the school and haze other kids that's a really good way to yeah maybe they should have business. to
0: disclose it so that way parents will be informed because how many times do we hear parents say i had no idea this is going on at you know my kid's school so how about that let's do reverse absolutely let's Let's say that they they have to inform because it seems like teachers and administrators lately have been going with what can we keep from parents what can what more can we not disclose so some of the things include if the child is having difficulties adjusting if they're feeling like they don't fit in and even if they feel like they are of the opposite sex, that maybe they're not a, really a boy, or maybe they're not really a girl, or maybe they're, they're gay, or maybe they're transgender, it, whatever the case may be. The teachers and administrators have been working hard to keep that from the parents. So if parents can't be involved in all of these various aspects... And then we're even going to go further to say, and when kids are getting beat up at school, when kids are getting bullied, when this is happening, they're also not informing parents. What seems to be the consistent problem? The school the school, not informing the parents yep. seems to be pretty consistent. Yep. In that. Too
1: much, too much power. You know, what's kind of starting to fade from the news here recently is COVID.
0: What? No, no, it can't fade. It's
1: it's kind of fading a little bit. Still there, still prevalent. Omicron B2 is rifling through Europe right now. It's starting to gain some steam here in the U.S. Expert doctor I follow from England is saying that probably in the next four to six weeks, it'll be the the prevalent or predominant strain here in California. However, there's a new strain. Called the XE strain. They have just picked up a handful of cases over in Europe.
0: We need to call it the XI so it can be Z or yeah. she. Huh? She, uh-huh. she, and blame it on the um, yeah,
1: They're calling it XE. The leader. XE or X3, and that is the morphing of Omicron B1 and B2.
0: Yeah, they need to see their way out of it. <laughs> yes, hopefully see
1: we'll them. be out of this thing pretty soon.
0: Yeah, Well, something that is starting to come up as talk of COVID is going down, is COVID vaccine mandates and people who have been injured by them are now, people are trying to put a spotlight on that. I know we've talked about whether or not you want to get the shot is up to you, but people who have been injured by it have been pushed out, cast aside, not allowed to speak. It's been called disinformation, but slowly and surely it is coming and bubbling up because there have been enough people who have been injured by the vaccine itself. So they are speaking louder and they are gaining some traction, whether or not it will fully get into, I don't know, a, a congressional hearing or if we'll ever truly know what has gone on with the shot itself we
1: will 20 30 years from now it's just interesting that all these guys Pfizer Moderna all them going way prior to COVID and this vaccine they had been sued on multiple occasions for bad medicines bad policy and news outlets and governments were behind the people that sued them 100 percent but for whatever reason now with this vaccine it's it, been a
0: 180
1: it's been a complete 180 and i don't understand why i don't i don't get that and the vaccine according to some experts does work at preventing uber elderly from being hospitalized and potentially dying but when you look at the numbers of additional deaths of a five year running average, we'll just take Europe as an example because I haven't seen the CDC or the US report. It's up above normal, but it's not that high. And the average age of the additional deaths is 82.5, 82 and a half years old. So it's going to be interesting when they parse that down through empirical data and studying to see really how much of that was the actual vaccine and not the COVID.
0: Well, in speaking to that, so this one of the individuals who have noted who has come out with his story said that he was forced to get the shot by December 3rd, 2021, or his employer would consider him voluntarily resigned. Eight days after receiving the Pfizer jab, he had a major hemorrhagic stroke and he's been in rehab since October of 2021. So he was getting the shot before his December 3rd deadline. And so he has complete paralysis on one side of his body, and he's definitely suffering. He still can't feel or use his left arm or walk without assistance, and he's going through this, um, this painful rehabilitation for him. And he said, what is worse is that his employer isn't covering any of the medical bills for the cost of this stroke. So this is a side effect. To me, this is a workplace injury. At the least, if your workplace required that you get this and you got it and had one of the noted side effects to it because it's not a perfect shot and you had one of the side effects, they should have to cover it
1: 100%. 100%.
0: And so you, we also saw multiple athletes who died. And so those are arguably healthy young individuals So there was a a 22-year-old football player from Denmark, died of cardiac arrest. Another individual collapsed and died of a heart attack on a golf course in October of 2021. He had a 30-year-old Venezuelan marathon champion who was 30 years old, died of a heart attack during a 5,000-meter race. Another 45-year-old sports director in Italy died of a heart attack. On the same day that the uh, 22-year-old soccer star suffer- from Denmark suffered his heart attack September eleventh, 2021, a 14-year-old who collapsed on a soccer field in the U.S. on October 15, 2021, had to be put into a medically-induced coma, but she ultimately survived, thank goodness. You have all of these individuals who were arguably healthy, and they faced a Death, basically, in, in many of these cases are stroke-like symptoms, heart attacks, all of these things, dying in their sleep from myocarditis, and there's no accountability of these companies because we've taken it out. The United States said we can give this shot to anyone and they can't sue. There's no accountability at all.
1: All coincidence. <laughs> None of it had anything to do with the shots, just like one of my coworkers who had his shot, and four days later died of an aneurysm. So, coincidence?
0: Yeah, workplace injury. Workplace injuries. If, coincidence? Who yeah. knows? Government place injury, technically. I mean, the government was the one that was trying to force all of the companies to do it. So, it would be a government-forced
1: Correct. And injury, I, think, I think if they injury. were coercive injuries, a very very good statement. But I think if they'd have looked at the sum total of these parts here, had they let a lot of people get this thing And I'm going to call it a thing, and go through the natural immunity process instead of the hybrid immunity, shot plus getting it, because there was so millions and millions of breakouts that it was not a true fix-all, we'd have probably nipped this thing in a bud in a lot shorter time than taking the shot, which prolonged the inevitable, which was with the Omicron, everybody got it. Everybody and still the average age of the deaths over in Europe were about 80, 80 plus, 82 plus. So that's the high number. So now through all these um, studies, we're finding that, yes, if you had it and you lived through it, you have better, better antibodies and natural immunities than you got through the hybrid shot. That's all I'll say on that.
0: So I would like to jump back now. Go back. Let's go. Yep, Go. to uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, and the Steele dossier.
1: I know what you're going to say.
0: So, it has just come out that the Clinton campaign and the DNC have agreed to pay fines for the payments of the Steele dossier because they likely violated federal law by not accurately describing the payments made to a law firm that funneled the money To Christopher Steele. So apparently they have agreed to make um, payments on their violations. Yeah,
1: and the problem with that is the damage has been done. You can't have a redo because the Russia collusion thing was baloney. It was not factual. And there's no way you can turn the time back and fix that. So a little bit of money is not going to hurt anybody.
0: And do you know who's actually paying the fine? Uh, Donald Trump no well I believe that the campaign so the Hillary Clinton campaign is going to pay the fine because yeah, voters the campaign yes anyone who yes. donated to Hillary Clinton yes, is, is paying, paying for, the for the dossier yes I mean which technically they were already doing but now they're paying the government literally for the fine for it. yes that has resulted from them not correctly categorizing
1: And I'm sure it was a calculation (laughs) or a risk that they were willing to take because they knew this was going to happen in the long run because that's the way crooked politicians are.
0: And it doesn't come out of their personal pocketbooks, so they do they really care?
1: No, and that's why a lot of these cases and a lot of these attorney generals and a lot of these folks that were looking into this stuff waited and waited and waited because the statute of limitations is running out on all this stuff, and it's not going to matter. It's done. They're not going to be prosecuted.
0: A local Fresno story that I would like to point to, and I know we've talked about solving the housing crisis. Can we solve the the housing crisis for the homeless? Yeah, just build them and they will come. Okay, so Redstone Equity Partners, along with CVS Health, is going to invest $18.4 million into affordable housing, here in Fresno. And what they w- the release said is that 20 of the units will be for special needs tenants, specifically transition-age youth considering, considered to be at risk of homelessness, and those who are aging out of the foster care system, transitioning from institutions and youth with a history of involvement in the justice system. So that's 20 of the units. The remaining 21 units will target low income families and they hope to make a meaningful impact here in in Fresno and work to service more, you know, projects and housing and actually address some of the underlying problems. So they're they're looking at supporting them, not just like here's a house, figure right. it out, goodbye, but they're actually looking at supporting the whole person and transitioning their whole life as well. So I am hopeful for that. It is not all government dollars, so I'm also hopeful that it will be used But as you, correctly. But as you've noted, some nonprofits are still there to line their own pockets. So we will have to see how this goes forward and if it does make the impact that they claim they hope to make. Yeah,
1: and hopefully a watchdog group will keep an eye on them just to see how they ultimately do. That would be a great thing. Hey, I'm a, I'm a strong advocate for helping these folks too, just as long as the money actually goes to them. To, to them and them. not
0: to lining the pockets of the, the uh, top-level people. I, I definitely respect that.
1: Yes, correct.
0: So one of our listeners has asked us to touch on a couple topics, and I will say I want to do a little more research before we get into some of the specifics of the topics. I have been researching, um, but I want to do a little bit more before we fully get into it, but I would like to, um, just kind of scrape the surface a little bit today. And so there has been, um, talk with the CIA releasing classified files that appear to confirm U.S. UFO sightings by military personnel. I don't know if you've seen some of those, uh, releases that have come out by different government levels yes but have you personally heard others talk about ufos within the military community
1: well i was on active duty or reserves negative i have not seen anything other than i believe what you've seen on the news and what other podcasters have talked, have about. talked about but i strongly believe can i throw this out there You know what I'm going to say, I think, about our uh, electric car builder.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Elon Musk. I believe that he is either from the future or from the past. The man has too much knowledge. He's building things far more advanced and quicker than anyone in any country that I can see has done his techno- technological advances, he either learned from somebody, past or future, or I'm way off base and he's just a really super-duper smart guy. But I, I that's the guy I would say, yeah, he's, he's an alien for sure.
0: So it's funny that you also say, or he time-traveled, because I recently heard, and again, this is why I want to do more research, but... That so Elon Musk named his company after Tesla or his car is a Tesla, right? Tesla Motors. So Tesla. And apparently there's schematics from Tesla himself. So there was a man named Tesla and he helped to invent the electric portion he didn't invent electricity but helped to invent the understanding and usage usage of electricity. Yes. And so he uh, apparently there are schematics for a time machine.
1: Yes, and we've hit on that a little bit. And apparently he did time travel or he had something to do with the advent of some type of machine that can propel you into the future or past.
0: So that's just kind of interesting yes. to think about.
1: Yeah, and we'll time travel to next week.
0: And we will um, we will have more on that I have a so little bit f- more
1: info for you.
0: So if you are l- listening and waiting on that, it is to come. but it is just quite interesting to think about all of the individuals who have claimed that there are some types of um, UFOs that they either saw or even intercepted and that the government was working to actively cover up. These statements by military personnel that they either saw or physically handled a UFO. Well,
1: I've said that a few times, maybe under the influence of a beer or two, that why are we so arrogant as to think that we are the only ones that can occupy...
0: A universe? A
1: universe, correct. And I'm sure there's probably others out there, they're probably floating around in space right now looking down at us, and looking at all that we do and all that goes on, and they're just thinking... Holy beep. I'm not going down there. Look at those people, man. They're crazy.
0: Yes, we're absolutely batty.
1: We're batty.
0: Okay, so last couple of stories. Um, just so you know, the NIH did admit that it suppressed the Wuhan lab genetic data, but it disputes that they deleted information.
1: It's all semantics.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, we learned that early on with yes. Dr. F-Word. Oh, he said his name. With Dr. Whoa. F-Word. That he he changed the definition. The NIH changed the definition of um, gain of function, and then when he was asked about gain of function, he gives new definition, and then said, you know, no, oh, no, we didn't do that. That's because they changed the literal definition, and he's only talking about the new definition they gave. Not the real definition that existed at the time that they were actually doing gain of function. Well, you should
1: research. pose it as a question and not as a definition. So, what does it take for uh, something from a bat in nature to jump to a human? How how does that process work? So, if you can do it naturally, then does that mean it always happens naturally, or do you study that? You have to study how that works, right? Yeah. Don't they have to take their little, what do you call it, little dish, Petri dish? The Petri dish, yes. And then you take your little, whatever, needle, syringe, and you suck up a little from Petri dish A, and you squirt it into Petri dish B, Mm -hmm. and then see what the cause and effect is.
0: And then in their case, they keep modifying it a little bit, and growing it a little bit more, and growing it a little bit more. not maybe
1: not gain a function, but changing the function of? yes one petri dish over the other yes okay so to me that's gain of function
0: absolutely and but he changed the definition so then he gets to say that no he didn't do gain of function research
1: well he's a fake guy
0: he is he is a fraud and he's perpetrated a fraud on so many this has been a podcast produced and edited by the dirt sailor duo Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, Anchors Away.